everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn coverage at BurntOrangeNation.com. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes if you like what we do. Share this with your friends, share this with your coworkers, wherever you can find podcasts, whether it's you know Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Share it with somebody you know loves Texas Longhorns sports. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I am your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by my good friend, a man who's from the streets, doing types of stuff you read about, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how you doing? Uh, that's probably the most accurate intro you've had of me. Um, I am out here doing hood rat stuff with my friends, um, so I'm doing good. It's uh, it's January. The ice has thawed. Uh, we went from like negative twenty or whatever it was in in Texas to seventy degrees today. So. Uh, you know, classic Texas El Nino. By the way, that lyric is from a Scarface song, which is just a shot at Kyle because he felt like he needed to preface in a group chat with me that Scarface is a rapper from Houston. Bro, I know I know Scarface. <laughs> Act like you don't know. So this week we've got some Texas basketball and we've got a little bit of news from the gridiron. I say a little bit of news, some biggish news from the gridiron. Uh, so we'll talk about that and then always we will close the door out with bang the drum. So let's, Kyle, let's just do what we do every week and try to figure out what the heck is going on with the Texas basketball team. So this week looked like it was going to be a murderer's row for them. They faced two top 10 teams and ended up splitting the games. So Texas opened the week with a 67 to 58 win over. I believe they were then ranked number eight Texas Tech Red Raiders. Always good to see Texas beat Texas Tech. Feels good. They were in Austin. Uh, the big story, in my opinion, was the return of Kerwin Roach, who came back and dropped 20 on their heads. Just decided to put a cool 20 spot in his 29 minutes. Kyle, what did you see uh, in the Tech game that looked good, maybe from Roach or anybody else that stood out to you? Snoop's been, been solid, uh, especially with you know everything going on with Andrew Jones, and he's kind of had to pick up more of the ball-handling duties. Um, and I feel pretty confident with, with his play. You know, of course, when when uh, it kind of looked like his role was going to be increased, he had settled in pretty well. It was going to be interesting uh, if we'd revert into some of the, the worst tendencies from last year. Um, but, I mean, if we're going to speak specifically about that West Virginia game, or excuse me, the Texas Tech game, uh, he looked very good. I mean, he, he had his free throws. Um, he played efficient. Uh, he's scoring. He's, he's getting the ball around. Um, I mean, he's been he's been very good. Um, I mean, the, the other thing outside of, outside of him that, that I liked was just, and I can feel like I can say this every game was Mo Bamba. Um, I mean, it feels like he's got some highlight plays. I think in this one, he had that crazy dunk, um, that was all around the Twitter going a little viral. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's just his defense. He's just, uh, he's everywhere. I mean, I feel like I I love Jared Allen. I love Miles Turner. They were great. Like I love these big men we've had. Um, and, and they've been a little uneven in their time in Texas and they've, they've panned out very well. Um, you know, in the NBA and projecting upwards, but I feel like Mo Bamba is is a little bit more realized already, as he should be, as he was advertised to be. Um, and on the defensive end, is just a ready to play NBA player uh, day one from what we've seen from him, and I'm just loving it. I mean, since Kevin Durant, this is this is my favorite Longhorn. Um, so I mean, I'm just uh, from from him and, and in both these games, really. Uh, he's he's had a good week and he's had a good month, and uh, he's probably going to get some looks at some end of season. Uh, teams and awards and things, and uh, whether he wins outright or not will be determined in the next couple of weeks. But uh, you know, I, I liked I liked what he did a lot. Um, and and the other thing that that I like, to be honest, is Texas winning back to back games uh, at home. 
You know, like coming out and winning, uh, making the Irwin Center a fortress is is big. That's something Texas basketball has needed to do for years, even when we were, uh, you know, really good national contention. Uh, it wasn't always a, a guaranteed thing like like it should have been. Um, so winning back to back games against ranked opponents uh, in the in the Irwin Center at Club Irwin is uh, is a big deal. I mean, for me, that's that's right now the best part about uh, this basketball season. Yeah, and we said a couple weeks ago the Big Twelve is such a tough place to get road wins. Now, it's not just Kansas. West Virginia, we'll talk about that in just a minute. You know, going to Kansas, going to Kansas, it is hard to get road wins in the Big 12. So you have to, have to, have to capitalize on those home wins. Because if you can't win at home, you're probably not going to win on the road. That's just, that's just you know, the nuts and bolts of it. It's a tough, tough road conference. And, and you talk about Mo Bamba, 15 points, 11 boards, 5 blocks. Like, the guy's a monster. Like, you know, you mentioned Kevin Durant, who's probably, arguably the best single-year player in Texas history. I mean, there's no really argument oh, yeah. about that. But Mo Bamba's pushing him for it, from what I've seen so far this season, uh, which is really, really impressive to me. And, you know, he and Dylan O decided they wanted to control the paint, and they did. You know, Texas scored 32 points in the painted area and held Tech to only 20. So they decided that we're going to protect the basket. We are going to this painted area. Uh, that's that's my area. We're going to hold on to that. And that was a key to success for Texas. And Tech was only able to hit seven from the floor. Like that's that's not great. Oh yeah, and it was. I mean, it was awesome to see. Like I remember watching Anthony Davis at Kentucky. Just uh, I I love defensive basketball and love a big man who can do multiple things. But I, I remember, you know, people going to the paint and just the looks on their faces. There was multiple times in that tech game when you would see someone dribble into the paint and, like, look up at Mount Bamba and uh, literally just turn around. Like, Steve, you know, like Steve Nash used to do effectively in the NBA where he'd dribble through and kick it out. They did the opposite where they just kind of uh, soiled themselves and then turned around and ran back out just like, no, you do it. I don't want to mess with this guy. Uh, and, and to be honest, he's blocking shots at a better rate than I've ever seen, including Anthony Davis in college. Um, I mean, these advanced advanced metrics are hard to always compare across years uh but he really has no comparison right now the the amount or percentage of shots that are near him that are blockable that he's blocking are off the charts i mean so give credit where it's due he's he's playing on the defensive side of the ball at least uh every bit as good as advertised it's fun to watch it and it's sad we're gonna get to see one year of him but i'm glad the one year we get to see of him is in burnt orange that feels like a win to me so let's look at the other side of the coin we've talked about it every week this has really been a Jekyll and Hyde season for the Texas Longhorns as good as they have been in some games they've been that bad in what seems like to be the next game so in their next game Texas traveled to Morgantown which is a tough place to play and just got just demolished there's no other way to say that so Texas loses to West Virginia 86 to 51 in their largest margin of defeat in I believe it 25 years 26 years since 1992 was the was the last time they had a margin of defeat this size or bigger so Kyle we've got so many stats here what the heck happened well yeah just again to add a little color and perspective to that the last time that Texas lost by anything near uh this badly we had not yet had a single Clinton uh officially sworn into office yet 
Um, so, I mean, this was a month before uh, Slick Willie got in there. So this is a while. If you can remember those times, things were quite different. Uh, I meant to look up what was the number one boss, box office, but I'm sure it'd be hilarious. But, I mean, it was a long time ago, right? That's not Texas basketball, especially in the Rick Barnes era. Um, you know, they could they could win with the best of them and, and, and lose with the best of them, but at least uh, they, they were scrappy in their fights. So, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's also, uh, I think, looking at this game by itself is tough. I think it's better to look at this as a series of games. This is the ups and downs, the highs and lows. This is basketball in, in 2018 with, with a lot of freshmen all across the country. You have a lot of uneven teams. You have teams who are very good, who are up or who are down. You see home court being very important. You know, when you get these guys who are 18 all over, um, it swings a little bit more. You don't get a ton of teams with four seniors and, you know, can go on the road and make big wins. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, I don't want to say to be expected or, um, you know, to undersell this because it's bad. Um, but I don't, I also don't want to blow it out of proportion because I think, uh, a lot of this will depend on how they respond to this and they have a pretty quick chance to turn around on Monday, um, against Iowa state. So, I mean, that could, that could cancel out a lot of the anxiety that fans might be feeling after that game. Um, the game itself, there's not a ton of positive to uh, to take from it. Um, you know, no one in double digits. We had nine each from Bamba and, and Kerwin Roach. Um, I mean, again, Mo Bamba to me was the was the lone bright spot. He had he had double digit rebounds, I think thirteen and uh, at least five blocks. Um, so again, just like did what he does. Um, but what is going to need to happen, especially on the offensive end, is that he's going to need some help from Ostakowski and just the rest of the team hitting shots. It's going to be big, as we've said all years is hitting shots. Um, I mean, West Virginia going off is tough. They're a really, really, really good team. West Virginia gets hot in the tournament. This could be a, a Final Four team. Um, I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, so, I mean, this is this is not a, a slouch opponent and a tough place to go play. Um, but but still, yeah, they were hot, and, and you have to keep up with them. If they're going to shoot as well as they did uh, from, from beyond the arc especially and, and just get their shooters going – it's tough. It's tough to keep up with that team this year. There's probably a handful, 10, maybe tops teams in the country who can do that. Um, on Texas on a good night, maybe, you know, could do that. But this was not a this was not a good night for them. I think the thing that, that stands out to me is, you know, between Carter, Note and Bolden, the, the kind of the three stars for West Virginia, they would have beaten Texas on their own. Well, they would have sent Texas to overtime. Those three combined for 51 points. So there there aren't many nights where you're going to have three guys that combine for 51. That's just not – that's not a normal night. But really for me, the thing that struck out was just Texas was unable to clean up the boards. That was the thing that stuck out to me in this game. You know, as good as Bamba was with 13 boards, West Virginia still managed 21 second chance points. You take away 21 second chance points and the game's a little tighter. It's a, you know, it's a 65-51 game, which 14 points still isn't good, <laughs> but it does, it looks better on paper. Uh, so I think it's just, it's, it just goes to show you that I think this team, the way the bigs go is the way this team yeah. goes. If, if Bamba and Ostakowski are both on for the night, then Texas is on for the night. If one of the two Twin Towers is off, then it's going to be a tough night for Texas. And there are going to be nights where Bamba's going to carry the team and he's going to drop you know, 20 and 15 and, and block six shots. But that can't be every night. So I think Big O needs to be a bit more consistent because, again, I think the way the bigs of this team goes is the way this team is going to end up. Yeah, and, and I, I think what you saw here is a, is a little bit worrying thing about this Texas team. They're, they're a good defense without Bomba. I think the rest of the team plays pretty good defense and Shaka system. 
when he switches it up and goes to the press, um, can throw people off, which it did against West Virginia, actually. I mean, there was a point with 11 minutes to go where this was a, I believe, an eight-point game, 45-37, to 37, um, and it was it was coming out in the second half and switching to the press, which I think kind of threw West Virginia off for a little bit and allowed them to crawl back in. But with Bamba, they're an elite defensive team, but they have to come out every night and shut people down. Like you said, the points that those three guys got, uh, Texas doesn't really have the firepower, especially with... with Andrew Jones out, they don't have the firepower to match for that. Uh, so they really have to rely on shutting people down, getting the shots when they can get them. Um, but I mean, anytime that Texas gives up 80 plus points, I don't like their chances to win. They're not a the same as we saw with the football team. They're not a run and gun, you know, basketball team that's going to go out and just light people up you know they're they're not they're not running the the seven seconds or less uh you know houston rockets d'antoni or you know they're not running any of these uh these incredible offenses that you see some in the nba right now this is kind of an old school throwback team like you said relies on the bigs um really not an elite three-point shooting team uh have a couple guys who can get hot but don't really uh don't really have outside of their big guys guys who you can rely on every single night to get 15 points out of um so you know it's going to take some good defense for me how this defense goes is is how this team goes. And you said something there, and it made me – I wanted to dive into some stats. Just a quick look at the box scores. The only game that Texas has won where the opponent has scored more than 70 points is Iowa State. And that was an overtime game. That was an overtime game. Literally, that's the only game where if the, te- if the opposing team scores more than 70 points, Texas is probably going to lose that game. Yeah. That's just just looking at it. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, the the fifteen zero run at the eleven minute mark uh, is a little bit again that worrying trend that we talked about last week and in previous weeks, where Texas, uh, even again, where they were outclassed tonight, they they hung a little, it made it a game until they let the other team go on a late run. I mean, that's something. If I'm Shaka Smart, that's my number one priority right now is figuring out what's going on. We need to switch their Gatorade regimen. Like, I don't, what's going on where this team is just fading? Or a counter that the other team is figuring them out at some point in the game uh, after they've seen it for, you know, a half or, or whenever it is. But it's like, you know, the offense shuts down and the defense, you know, takes a step back every game at around the eight minute remaining mark and that's just that's not how you win games that's not especially in this dangerous big 12 you, you can't you have to have your foot on the pedal uh throughout so if again that's that's my next one that's that's my biggest thing if i'm shock smart that i'm trying to figure out uh for this upcoming iowa state game on monday so let's switch a little bit and we'll go to a basketball team that i don't want to say is overperforming, but is definitely <laughs> performing up to their uh their billing so the texas women's basketball team uh there's no other way to say this. Just ran Texas Tech out of the stinking gym. So the a women's basketball team beats Texas Tech. I had to look this up like three times to make sure it was right. 90 to 39. 90 to 39. I cannot say that enough. And it really, like, it was two quarters that really just did it in. So Texas was, was leading 19 to 13 at the end of the first quarter. Then the second quarter, which is weird that women's basketball is quarters, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, the second quarter was a 25-6 to six run. <laughs> they closed the, just that whole deal. Third quarter, they outscored Tech 29-10 to 10 to head into the third quarter up 76-29. to 29. Yikes. Yeah, that's that's a Wilt Chamberlain box score, man. To to win by that, that's that's like Wilt Chamberlain in the you know the 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 early uh, turn of the century years uh, against you know North Cumberland Tech or whatever you know these schools that, that don't <laughs> exist anymore. And it's like you know a, a, a five foot three professor who uh, you know is playing against a, a young Wilt or whatever. You know these like 
how you put up 90 and only give up, you know, under 40 against a team is, is, uh, that's a little thing called domination. And, and like you said, I, I don't, uh, I don't feel good about this, but I get, I get extreme joy from beating Texas Tech and doing it both in men's and women's basketball in quick succession like that. Um, especially just after, you know, every year the Texas Tech football pulling some shenanigans. Um, I just love beating Tech. I was, you know, to take it back a little, I was, uh, watching, I remember exactly where I was sitting watching uh, the Tech game, the Michael Crabtree game, and ever since I have just had a seething, seething hatred uh, for that school, and and get so much Schadenfreude from uh, from watching them uh, just perform badly in anything. So again, uh, clap out for the the women. I mean, just an unbelievable performance, and to do it against Tech, I love it. Yeah, forty eight points of the paint, thirty four points off turnovers. Like I love it. You don't do that against the JV. Yeah, like, that's just not. So, big ups to the ladies. You know what? I hope they end up on the opposite side of the bracket from, from UConn, and I want to see that in the in the finals of the women's basketball. This may be the first year that I watch a significant amount of the women's tournament. I generally tune in, you know, for the Final Four, championship game, whatever, but I, if Texas goes into this and has a favorable draw, you will see me watch a lot of the women's basketball oh, yeah. tournament this year, and it'll be fun to watch. I'm, and shout out to the to the women. I when I was uh, when I was an RA on campus, I actually had the the ladies basketball team was uh, were my residents, and so I went to most games uh, that year, and they they had a decent uh, a decent run. They had a little bit uneven performance from their star Brittany Raven at the time in the tournament and got knocked out. But uh, loved watching that. The women's tournament is awesome. You should always watch it. I think. It's great. I have loved the women's basketball team. This is just taking us off a tangent. Since Tiffany Jackson called me Mr. Coldstone because she came and got some ice cream from me, and then I covered the game two days later. So I've always it's it's just that's a thing for me. <laughs> Side note: I worked at that Coldstone that doesn't exist near campus anymore. That's how old I am. Uh, so <laughs> let's quickly transition. Uh, there's a bit of football news this week. It's it's we we were trying to do a not like a show where we didn't really talk about football because that's generally what we do but then after speculation and speculation you know Texas hired Brian Carrington in an interim basis to be their 10th uh, assistant coach which basically allowed him to go out and recruit for a week which turned out really well <laughs> good big ups to to coach Carrington yes uh, but they officially have offered and hired former Auburn offensive line coach and now Texas Longhorn offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator Herb Hand to fill their 10th coaching position. So we figured it would be on offense. Uh, we thought there would be an offensive coordinator. We thought it may be a actual offensive coordinator, not a co-OC slash O-line coach. But, Kyle, what have you heard? There's a lot of good stuff around Herb Hand uh, floating around in the ether. <laughs> Uh, Herb Hand is like a he's right now to me is the gift that keeps giving like we're about to have a bang the drum and a Herb Hand section on this uh, going forward <laughs> henceforth on this podcast he's he might just become the new Michael Dixon um, who who we you know spend glowing amounts of time uh, raving about but just for his his plot it's on the field the guy is 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 a genius he's um, He's produced. He has results. He's considered one of the best in the country. We're actually uh, hopefully going to have Coach Zaychek on um, in a couple of days to uh, to talk about this. He, uh, I texted him when he uh, he got that. That's again the uh, offensive coordinator and O line coach um, Nick Zaychek, who's a former offensive lineman at, at UT, who's you know 
as much as any person I know personally uh, plugged into this scene, and he said he loves Coach. Coach Han uses his videos uh, for instructional and just to kind of keep up on what's going on, really coaches his kids from a lot of his same techniques and everything. So uh, hopefully we can have him on to, to discuss this. But uh, he was ecstatic, and that's a good sign to me because I felt good about this hire. But, again, I'm, I don't know a ton about – you know the the nuance between offensive line, but you you can't argue with the results. The guy uh, kind of godfathered the uh, the however you want to call it the smash and spread or whatever. You know the uh, the run first spread offense, the power spread. There's, there's various names for it, but uh, he's done it to just a great aplomb. And everyone who tries to do it is trying to do what he's done, which is you you know to have the the godfather or something is always good. Um, I mean he's uh, he he's the guy. You put some stuff here in the uh, in the notes, and I didn't actually know this, but three different offensive lines have produced all-time leading rushers that's uh uh bless up you know gospel uh, emoji hands right now i'm uh, i'm ready to get back to texas having a running game that is a meaningful part of the equation of that offense um you know i i love me some some cedrics and some rickies and some jamal you know i, I love the great running backs uh through ut i mean that's what i identify with i was a wide receiver but i still i love the run game um so I am so excited to see uh, what this brings and in, in the wrinkles that this is going to add to our offense uh, next year. You hit the nail on the head. The fact that he is a run-first offensive line coach with a spread background is really exciting for me because Texas has a ton of talent, and they're bringing in even more talent. Uh, you know, you know, Kirk Johnson is still rehabbing, and that kid – that kid can move if he if he if he can get his knee taken care of. But they've got Young, they've got Carter. Ingram is going to ink at the you know on, in February when when National Signing Day Part Two comes around. Uh, but I think Herb Hand is hopefully going to fill in the missing pieces. And I don't know where Wareheim fits into this and what their roles and responsibilities are going to be. But we said it a lot last, you know, during last season. This offense looks a lot different if the offensive line plays up to what they should. It's hard for any offensive coordinator. It's hard for Tim Beck to look good as an offensive coordinator if you cannot get any push-up. From yeah. Him. And so the fact of the matter is he's a, he's a run-first guy, so they're going to be able to use the talent of Young and Carter to make this a balanced offense. I was looking at some statistics, and the difference between a win and a loss for Texas this year was rushing the ball yeah. 40 times. They hit 40 rushes. They hit 40 rush attempts. They won that game. If they hit less than that, if they were more one-dimensional passing, they lost. It's just, it's yeah. black and white, uh, and so that for me is is just it's a good sign that they're focusing on the right things in this off season. I think it speaks a little bit too. I'll give him some credit to, to Coach Herman and uh, the ability to identify a need. And I don't think it took a rock, rocket scientist to see that the greatest position of need for, for this team last year was the offensive line. I mean, you obviously injuries can't be avoided, but just having the depth, having the technique, having uh, the ability to, to get some push, like you said, and make that a, a point of strength um, was the farthest thing from, from what the Texas offense did last year. And so to identify that, to say, all right, who's the guy? Who's the best guy out there? We're Texas. We're the Joneses. Who doesn't want to come to Texas um, to go out and to get you know a guy who's respected across the country by his peers um, and and who probably I think fits really nicely with with the offensive scheme that Herman likes to run um, and can probably bring some new things and some new ideas to it, freshen it up. Um, I think this is a genius hire. Like I'm just I'm I'm ecstatic. I'm raving about this. Um, so credit to, to Herman and for uh, for the the you know Del Conte and and uh, the the whole team for for getting this hire done um, because this is a big one. This is potentially uh, a game changer where we're talking about it. Texas is at a, a lineage of having some incredible assistants that have really uh, helped define the outcome of, of who they are as a program. I mean, Mac Brown, 
we love him, but you think about some of the assistance that he had under him and what they were able to do. The Aquinas, uh, the Muschamp, truly is a defensive coordinator in those defenses. I mean, just some some guys who who coordinators and, and position coaches who we had who changed the course of what Longhorns were able to accomplish. And I'm uh, maybe a little bullish right now, but I'm so excited to see uh, see how this plays out with Coach Hand. Last thing on Herb Hand, the guy just he's he has that old school mentality. Google Herb Hand quote about safeties it's not podcast appropriate but <laughs> i i love it. It, it it the guy just has that mentality of we're gonna grind it out we're gonna beat you down and we're gonna love doing it and this is a very strong longhorn uh, republic official pod recommendation follow the dude on twitter he's he's calmed it a little bit uh in recent years but maybe go back through the archives he's a twitter savage um he People, you know, who come at him are unbelievable. Another one to search is is when someone asked him for his daughter's number, uh, and it is uh, had me in tears. So, um, a, a personality that seems to match the credentials. So, I'm so excited. I want to do a most interesting man commercial with him because he the Reddit AMA he's got he was on Chopped, which is phenomenal. Yes, uh, and and the Twitter stuff. I just I. It just it feels awesome. I I just love it. So quickly, real quick, we don't have a ton of time. Uh, Shane Bouchel had surgery this week to repair a torn abductor. Uh, it was actually the injury he sustained in the Texas Bowl, knocking him out of the second half. He will be back for spring practice, so that's good. Keep that competition alive. And then our man Puna, uh, after a strong strong showing at the Shrine Bowl practices, just kind of lit the world on fire. Twitter was aflame with praise for Puna from uh, from NFL scouts. Gets an invite to the Senior Bowl, which is a big deal. That's You're going to see even more scouts out there. So big ups to someone that we have told y'all, don't sleep on him. <laughs> he, may, he, may, he may not be six foot tall, but he's going to get after somebody. The man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, Puna Ford. Glad to see him doing big things. But it's that time of the week where we honor our favorite tradition on the 40 Acres, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Um, I'm dra- I'm banging the drum on DBU. I'm, I'm banging the drum on Texas uh, being back where I knew it, where you knew it, where your grandmother knew it. Um, Texas as the, uh, as the defensive back university of the country. And, and we obviously saw that uh, during recruiting season. We've talked about it on this podcast. You've seen it if you've looked anywhere. Um, things went very, very well so far um, with, with more to come. But uh, one little note that made that sweetness even sweeter, um, like a little cherry on top of a delicious uh, defensive back Sunday, um, was the new 247 uh, composites coming out and uh, a couple extra five stars for Jalen Green, uh, DeMarvion Overshone, and Caden Stearns, my dude. Sentex Finest, stand up. What up, Cibolo slash Church Texas? Uh, I know you listen to the podcast. Thanks for that retweet. Uh, Caden Stearns, um, good friend of the pod. But, yeah, he got his fifth star. We got three three more five stars, uh, which I'm loving, and I think it's well-deserved. And, and, again, I'm just so juiced for these guys uh, to come in and, and, and see the field day one and, and add to this. But the other, the other part of that is we talked about there's talent coming back. There's a lot of talent coming back. Um, and it wasn't like a, a, a real question mark. Um, there was maybe a little bit of uh, flutter early on in the in the season, and, and it's kind of died down. But uh, Chris Boyd made it uh, relatively official, um, I believe, on Saturday. Um, 
or maybe Friday, he said, you know, can't even explain how excited uh, the anticipation I already have to ball with my brothers this year. Promise we're on a mission, um, which is exciting. It's exciting to see him locked in. It's exciting to see camaraderie starting. It's exciting to see the guy who honestly took a lot of flack this year um, just to be ready, to be salivating, to go out and to get a chance to change the narrative around him. Um, he, uh, he came in with a lot of recruiting hype himself, um, had a Pretty good year to start, his, or had some good years to start his career. I uh, was a little bit down for most of this year, and then really after uh, Holton Hill went out, um, kind of stepped his game up. And I, I'll be honest, like we we gave him a lot of that flack ourselves, and he he turned it around. But to see that guy, I'm ready for him to to turn himself into the next Holton Hill, to turn himself into the next uh, Deshaun, to turn himself into another first round pick with the type of talent he has and playing locked in like he did at the end of this year and in the bowl game. Um, all through next year with the, with the young bucks shadowing him, uh, I'm excited. Like I think our defensive backfield is is how we win uh, next year and, and maybe for years to come. Um, so shout outs to uh, to you know the defensive team, the recruiting team, um, and to the coaches. You know, getting the seniors uh, bought in and, and back in, and, and hopefully, like I said, that transfers over through the offseason into next year. And DBU is back. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm excited. There's so much stinking talent coming in that defensive backfield. I love it. Speaking of talent, so this week, John Burt set his personal record in the 60-meter hurdles on the indoor with a 7.82, which... Silly. If you don't know what the hurdles are, you're running and then jumping over stuff. And so he did 60 meters worth of that in less than eight seconds, which I couldn't run 60 meters in, in eight seconds. I couldn't run 30 meters in eight seconds. It's ridiculous. Uh, but really what I want to bang the drum on this week is that man needs to have the ball in his hands next year. The fact of the matter is John Burt, he, he solved some of his drops issues. And I don't know if he was dropping balls in practice or if it was just, you know, Bouchelle and Ellinger didn't find him. I don't know what the situation was, but he only had 11 catches and zero touches on the, uh, on the running so- side. He had... You know, 177 yards this year, which not great. And it looks even worse when you think about 90 of them came on one play. Yep. So outside of one catch, he had 87 yards. Oh, 10 touches for 87 yards and then one for 90. That man needs to see more field time. You need to figure out how to work him into the offense, whether it's running reverses, whether it's some wild. I I don't know what it is, but you've got a freakish athlete on the field. And so John Burt, I'm I'm waving my flag for him. I need John Burt to get some shine this year because that dude is a game-changing athlete. You put the ball in his hands. I don't know if it's returning the ball. I don't know what it is, but find ways to get your athletes the ball, and they're going to win you some football games. I love that. And uh, I've been a big Burt guy. He had the big catch against Notre Dame. His hands weren't great leading up to this year, but he actually flashed some leather. He flashed some uh, some solid glove on ball, extended hand uh, catches this year. I mean, the, in the in the bowl game, had a touchdown. I mean, the, the guy, if, if he can put that freakish athleticism, I, I still can't fathom the numbers you said, so don't repeat them because it seems like fake news. Seven, I can't even say a sentence about how he did that in 7.82 seconds. But, uh, I mean incredible athlete who's showing the full package i'm ready for john bird to be a breakout receiver next year like i'm hype i love it i want to see it i need to see it give me some more burdicus in 2018 so thank you so much for listening in again this week and it would mean a lot to us like i said off the top if you left us a rating or review on apple Podcasts, helps a ton with this ability share this with your friends share this with your coworker, somebody you know loves texas longhorn sports kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter.com at Kyle Carpenter. 
Um, you can also find me in the local Fuddruckers. Fuddruckers, world's greatest hamburger. Uh, chowing down. <laughs> Still need to use those uh, those four free burger tickets I got from the Texas Bowl. <laughs> I love it. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GHGoodridge. If you're in to nerd news every Wednesday morning, I post a podcast with a friend of the show, Raymond Summerlin, uh, called Two Woke Nerds. We just dive into some nerd news, get to hear us in some different settings. So we're both kind of sports guys, but whatever. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, at LonghornPod. You can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Hook them.